depending on when you're listening to this, New Year's Eve is either almost here or it's just past. And with that comes a slew of resolutions, promises that either we or others around us will make to improve themselves, to make themselves better, to aspire to become more. And that intention, while positive and valuable and sometimes transformational, is not clear-cut, it's certainly not easy, and it can be fraught, to use a word that I always enjoyed from old writing. It can be littered with, it can be scattered with false hopes, uh, false promises, unrealistic expectations. And those who profit from it, and those like you and me who can suffer some real harm because of it. That's why I was thankful when Tara suggested a conversation about the dangers of self-help. Because self-help, while extremely valuable, is also a resource that has been co-opted and manipulated by unscrupulous people, people who are more concerned about the money they're getting from you than the help they're providing you. And during our discussion, Tara brought up a lot of great points. Um, I was happy to echo my response and then to listen in when she narrowed down at the end on four issues of nonsense that can be really helpful. And through that, by developing an awareness of these four possible concerns and dangers to consider, that you in turn develop an awareness to think critically about all aspects of your life, including the parts that are relying on self-help or on help in general. And that this leads to um, a place where you can learn to find comfort in situations that do not initially or maybe ever feel comfortable, let alone cozy. I think I'm going to get out of the way and let our conversation take over, and I'll join you again at the end. You're listening to On a Road to Self-Acceptance with Tara Masson and Seth Singleton. So... I want to go ahead and take the opportunity now that we've sort of done the check-in and also, uh, you know, um, let people know that I won't be breathing through the mask during our conversation. <laughs> so if you're looking for a Darth Vader impression, you're not going to get one. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Sorry. That's, that's, that's really not, not the plan for today. 
Um, but we did want to talk about something that can be probably just mm-hmm. as serious when it comes to your your health uh, in a lot of different ways. And uh, I, I want to hand over sort of the reins on this to Tara because she brought it up with me and I really felt like her understanding of it provides a, not only an insight, but a sort of direction for for areas we can cover today. And I'm going to be filling in because the things you've told me about already that I looked at, I thought, yep, I already see where I have issues with this. Yeah. So I'm more than happy yeah. to provide opinions. But knowing that, you know, what you've already been thinking about is coming from a place with direction. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, to just sort of step back and say, tell me what you were thinking. Tell everyone else who's listening what you were thinking sure. and uh, where you'd like to see it go today. Yeah. So um, my biggest thing is I I find it really ironic that as someone with a life coaching certification that I'm bringing this up. So I want to put that out there um, immediately because I believe that helping others um, is amazing. I think when we lift other people up, they do better. We do better. Everyone does better. Right. But in this hyper-connected world that we are living in, um, things are getting a little muddled, a little muddy, and a bit, um, I want to use the word carefully, but I'm going to say dangerous. Because with the amount of information coming towards us from either the radio, the TV, movies, social media, news outlets, what have you, Um, more than ever, we have information overload coming at us and we're taking in so much information, but are we really stopping to think critically to all that we read and see? And I believe most of us are not, and I'm not here to point out any errors on you know, that anyone listening may have, or even myself, but instead my aim is to, um, really emphasize the notion that it is our responsibility to critically think and dissect information coming at us. Um, aside from the self-help world, let's think of this in a scientific approach For example, if we um, are reading the news and we have, say, a new study that comes out that proves that this vaccine is 99% effective in combating XYZ illness, most of us will go, wow, that's great. But very few of us will say, hold on, that sounds like amazing results from this test. Let me look a little further into maybe who's funding this test, who wants these results to come out this certain way and so on. And then we really begin to peel back layers of why this result um, is being marketed to the general public. So if we take that type of discernment and we apply that to self-improvement, then we really have a big problem. Um, You know, right now we are living in an age where for the first time ever, um, people, myself included, 
are able to create online programs and sell them for money, sell them for maybe big chunks of money. And you never, ever hold this tangible product. You know, it's not something you can pick up and feel and, and move around. It's just information. And I think it's really important for us to analyze the area of self-help because I, for one, have seen some outrageous nonsense um, throughout the years um, in this industry. And I also believe that there are not that many people talking about the nonsense. Or if you do go to search for um, personal stories of how self Uh, self-help has harmed someone, it's really hard to find these stories because you have to sit and sit and sit through tons of articles, tons of resources and outlets that are masking these, um, these important messages. So, you know, that's my entire aim is to really, you know, I don't want to say all self-help is nonsense, but I also want to keep the door open and, and address that some self-help is okay and is good for certain times in your life, but self-help can also be extremely harmful. So that's why I brought this up to Seth, just because there's been times when I've been writing for my own site or other publications or forever be moved. And I've literally stopped and I said, I'm not writing this article. This is just, excuse my language, bullshit. Like, this is something I can't produce. I'm not willing to do it. So um, I, Seth and I had a conversation about how to really address this notion of self. And we broke in um, this, um, this topic into two sections, really. Two broad sections, but very pointed at the same time. You know, the dangers of self-help. And then nonsense that we've heard in the self-help world. And, and we're wanting to discuss this um, in depth and by sharing our personal accounts um, with this. So, Seth, how does that sound so far for an introduction? Uh, I think it sounds great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think it sounds really developed. Um, I also think it would be helpful because you included yourself as, as someone who's part of this discussion because mm-hmm. of the services you provide, yeah. that it might be helpful to sort of explain what it is you do, what you um, are hoping to accomplish, you know, through the services you provide, what, what your overall mission is, just to sort of kind of go back to that and how sure. that has sort of formed what you provide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that might give us a little bit of a sort of touchstone for everyone who's listening. Yeah. And for our conversation to sort of come back to, because we're going to be looking now at others and we want to sort of give them an idea of, okay, well, one thing you might have noticed from uh, our first podcast, um, and I think we even referenced it in our second, is the idea of where a lot of this started for Tara was, you know, developing a list of things she stands for and doesn't stand for. Mm-hmm. So by sort of re re sort of clarifying that and also how that led to uh the services she provides that you provide um, that we can sort of like, know, like, okay, so that's, that's where we're standing at when we start to talk about these other things. Yeah. So by sort of giving them that foundation, then when we start talking about some of these concerns that they'll sort of have like an idea of, okay, well, you know, I might have my own positions, but I'm listening to it based on where these guys are coming from. Yeah. Does that sound? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one thing that's important to clarify is that if you are, you know, list, if you're listening and you find yourself thinking, you know what, I could really use a mentor or a life coach or a lifestyle coach or a business coach or something to help you along in life. That's great. I mean, let's think of all the athletes out there. They all have coaches. Let's think of all the business owners that are out there. They all have really uh, strong networks and mentors that guide them. And I want to emphasize that if you are looking to um, introduce and couple your life with a coach or a mentor, one thing that is really important to realize is that a life coach or a mentor is not a therapist. Um, They are not someone that is going to ask you about maybe things that have happened to you in your childhood or a couple years ago. A life coach is someone who focuses on future only. So what, what do you want out of the here in the now and in the future? And that's it. That's where your timeline starts. It doesn't go back. It only goes forward. So if you are finding yourself reading things online or being exposed to YouTube videos that really are hoping that you dig deep, which there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, for example, Brené Brown, she's, she constantly says dig deep. Well, she's also a therapist. (laughs) Okay. That is her specialty. Okay. But if you're listening to people who are telling you to dig deep, you know, really stop and think critically. Are they qualified enough to address people's problems in the past? Or is this something that isn't accurately reflecting on their, on their notion um, to help people? So, um, you know, always with, with people that I connect with, it, I constantly bring up the story that Seth and I um, discussed during our first episode, and that was the exercise of what you stand for and what you don't stand for. And it's a really great exercise to help you clarify um, what you want in your life currently and what you don't want in your life currently. Um, And it's simple as pulling out a piece of paper, drawing a horizontal line down the middle, writing on the top what I stand for and what I don't stand for. And I suggest people start with the list of what you don't stand for because Really negative charged emotions, unfortunately, sometimes are the best ones that come first, right? I shouldn't say best, but they easily come to the surface, right? You don't stand for disrespect. You don't stand for judgment, unfairness, um, stealing, cheating, so on. Then you move to the other side and you write down what you stand for. And you can start with the macro and get to the micro. Um, But then what you have is this, um, guide that helps you really, um, it's like a, it's a compass for your life. You know, does it feel heavy or does it feel light, um, and whatnot. And I think by starting there, um, you can really start to, um, think more critically when it comes to, um, self-help. Um, and, And I just, I I really want to emphasize that a life coach is not someone that's going to uncover your childhood um, 
patterns and bring them up to the surface. They may notice patterns, current patterns, but we are present to future um, healers and mentors and in only that, because that's all we've been trained in. Um, that's my big emphasis. Okay. <laughs> I think it's really clear. And I think it's helpful that you just pointed out that this is something that other people can do that anyone can stop and draw a list of things they stand and don't stand for and start with that sort of mm-hmm. foundation. But that also when it comes to working with a life coach, understand what the expectations are for both you and the coach going into this, what right. you're asking them to do and what you can expect to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's not a one size fits all. We take care of everything. You know, yeah. it's not, yeah. you know, as you said, it leaves out the therapy side. It doesn't dig into your childhood. It doesn't dig into, you know, these different elements that might be beneficial to look at closely. Yeah. But yes. that you need someone who's licensed and trained to do that yes. in an effective and productive way that doesn't create harm or that, you know, doesn't lead to other concerns. Yes. Um, and I think it's really helpful to clarify that. Yeah. And, you know, um, so to dive into the first section of this topic, the dangers of self-help, you know, I, I outlined um, four um, four things that, um, really stand out to me in this, in this industry. Um, and I find these ideas or concepts, um, they require attention. Um, and so I'll get right into them. I believe that self-help can reinforce perceptions of, um, shame and guilt and being less than, I also believe that self-help is a form of avoidance or sometimes even procrastination. I believe that self-help creates uh, more analysis by paralysis in people's lives. And I also believe that self-help is a diminishing return cycle. So Seth, do you care if I just start diving into these concepts? Um, Not at all. Please go uh, for it. So the first one, the perceptions of shame, guilt, and, and being less than, you know, um, you know, a lot of people go into self-help thinking that I want to fix this. You know, I want to make my relationship better. I want to get in shape. I want to start showing up on time in my life. I want to quit drinking. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do that. And that's great. Okay. If you wake up one day and you say, you know what? I am, I'm not living to my fullest potential or I want to hold myself to a higher standard. That's great. Okay. But when, when you're new to self-help and you start diving in, what you will find, what you may find is that you find yourself saying, okay, well, I initially showed up looking for this book or maybe, um, to listen to this podcast because let's say, um, I wanted to improve my relationship with my significant other, but maybe what you find out is that, well, oh my gosh, well, I'm not, you know, I can't improve my relationship with my significant other unless I change this that is wrong with me, this other thing that's wrong with me and so on and so on and so on. So, 
and I think that happens for a reason because self-help, um, although the initial creation of it is good, self-help also is, it's a business. It's a multi-billion dollar business that sells information most of the time, information that is not a product that you can feel, not a product that's tangible. It's, it's in the ethos, right? So they have to keep you hooked on material. And how they keep you hooked is to emphasize that there's something fundamentally wrong with you and that you have to be willing to make it better. And when you make it better, then your work still isn't done, which, you know, to dial it back, you know, I believe that we all should wake up and try to do better than we did yesterday, even if it's something small and minor. But I also don't want um, people to think that, you know, you have to be um, a certain way, think a certain, you know, behave a certain way to receive credit of worthiness. Um, So I think that's my first um, beef with self-improvement is that it gets you hooked on material by emphasizing that you're not good enough. Well, that's something that I have seen a lot of. Um, I feel that there is always (laughs) someone saying that, you know, I'm not doing enough. I can Mm -hmm. be doing it better. Um, That there's a new thing that I haven't heard about. I should know about. And that I should be doing because it's mm-hmm. just better. And, right. And, you know, why am I not doing it? In mm-hmm. fact, now that I know about it, why am I holding back? What's wrong with me that I'm not doing this thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, go ahead. You know, so with respect to the whole shame aspect, right? I have even experienced uh, three, three and a half years ago, I was, um, you know, just brand new to be moved and starting it off. And, and there was, um, this fellow that I was connected with online and, um, you know, he has a successful coaching business and, and I was like, you know what, I could really use, um, a coach to help me with my own personal pursuits and, and whatnot. And, you know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't shameful to say that I'm, I need help because I think asking for help is one of the most courageous acts ever, 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 ever. So I went into a initial consulting call with him, a discovery session, a lot of coaches call it. And, um, he did some amazing exercises, helped me uncover some limiting beliefs within like 10 minutes. Like he was good like great salesperson, really good. But within that, you know, we had a time period of 30 minutes. I got 10 minutes of a good um, self-discovery type of session. It was intense. And then the next 20 minutes was nothing but sales pitches. And it got so bad where, you know, his, his coaching service for one month was something, um, I don't want to say obnoxious, but he believed he was offering enough value to charge for this. It was something outrageous, like $5,000. And, 
And this $5,000 was coming from a fellow, you know, who's, I think he was maybe 25, you know, and, and, and maybe, and maybe the, he believes and he does deliver that value. Maybe he does. I'm not going to discredit him in any way, but what I am going to focus on is this. After I said, no, I financially am not able to afford $5,000 a month with a three month commitment package. I I was immediately told that, well, so Tara, tell me, how are you going to buy groceries? (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And, and when he asked me that, you know what ended up happening? Mm. I felt guilty. I felt guilty and I felt that I was inferior because I could not afford his services. Did I need his services? Absolutely not. Did I think at the time they may enhance my ability to learn more as a coach and increase my impact? Yes, at the time I did. But the next 20 minutes were some of the most uncomfortable 20 minutes I ever had on the phone where for 20 minutes I was made to feel guilty that I would spend money on groceries, paying for my cell phone, paying for my rent and so on. I mean, it went on to, do you have money to buy groceries? What about your cell phone bill? What about your rent? And so on. And that is nonsense. Um, so that's, that's a story that I wanted to share because if anyone is out there and they get on a quote unquote discovery or discovery call with a coach and they do that to them, hang up, hang up like that. It's, there's so much of that going on out there and it's so dangerous. And I'm sure like you've even brought up Seth too, that you've, you've had a close person in your life that, um, had gone to some sort of, um, I don't, I don't know how to call them, but they're like a, a group, um, for self-improvement and you buy into it and then you graduate air quotes, graduate, and then you go to another level and you go through the program and you quote air quotes, graduate again. Um, and people dump their life savings into it and they do that because, They are hooked on the notion that they are not good enough and that there is perceptions of not being good enough. And it's drilled home over and over again. You'll never be good enough until you do this. And you can do this with my help in your bank account. And I I think it's so dangerous. And it, quite frankly, pisses me off. Ooh, take a break. Well, <laughs> with uh, with good reason, and I think the example you described, you know, that you experienced, it's something that if anyone's ever been in a high pressure uh, scenario where someone's pushing them to do something and asking you to, you know, basically stretch yourself beyond either your means yes. or what sounds reasonable, that you're then made to feel like you don't value either yourself or loved ones enough to do this. That mm-hmm. you don't value um, your future enough to take this sort of, uh, in your mind again, unreasonable risk, uh, especially financially, an investment that, you know, you're being challenged on after you say, well, I'm using my best judgment to say, no, I'm not ready for that. 
And then to be told, well, because of that, your best judgment is actually a reflection of your unwillingness to do more, <laughs> be better. Or, right. you know, probably the, the harshest one is that it, it's a sign that you don't love the way you should. That oh. You don't love yourself or other people that that clearly that you're not that there's something wrong with you. And the fact that you're saying no proves it. If you weren't damaged in some way, you'd be saying yes. It's right. in their mind just as logical of a response. Oh. Uh, I just saw we're at the 33 minute and given our previous experience, you'll know that we've got a 30 odd so minute rule where we check the audio, <laughs> make sure everything's <laughs> saved so that we don't come across any issues later. And I have nervous heart palpitations. And uh, we're going to come back to you in just a moment after we've got everything squared away. And we're going to follow up with uh, a little bit more about what the difference is between real help and things that call themselves help. Sounds good, Talk to you in just a second. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Hey, Seth. Hey, Tara. Good to have you back. Yes. <laughs> um, so when we just left off a minute ago, we were talking about how there can be some really uh, negative programs that promote themselves as being positive. And you pointed to an example with a, uh, a relative of mine. And yes, um, it was a relative of mine. She, she got involved with the program and really kind of had a powerful experience where they asked her to write about someone she didn't like and then pointed to some ways in which even her language, you know, was, was sort of um, sarcastic and dismissive regarding this person and how that was actually revealing things that they didn't know they were doing that she didn't know she was doing. Um, and it was evident through this, I think it was like a letter that you were asked to write and then read it out loud. Mm. And I think the impact for her was being challenged in that way that, you know, you have people in your life who, because they know you, they come to the parts of you that might be a little rough around the edges and that um, might be a little rough around the edges for other people. But that there's sort of a, well, you know, it doesn't get much worse than this. So we, we sort of acknowledge it and we don't make it a big deal. It doesn't turn into a big fight every time. Um, the people have behavior patterns or uh, characteristics that aren't always pleasant based on what you're used to, you know, or that you think are acceptable. And then until you're challenged on them, it's a comfortable way of thinking you feel very comfortable in who you are. And I think being challenged that way sort of put her off balance and then made it really easy for uh, this organization to then kind of dig in with this idea of, well, what else are you not aware of? And do you have anyone helping you recognize these things? Because if you don't, who knows what problems you're creating for yourself unconsciously. Right. Oh. And that seemed like such a invitation to then give so much of yourself over to uh, someone else's judgment. And in doing so, there were a lot of other problematic practices that I had with the group. Um, it called a lot. 
And this was back during a time when landlines were the only way you talked. Sure. And um, we had a rule, which was that we answered the phone because we never knew who it could be. Um, my father worked a job where he also took overtime. Sometimes it was a four, sometimes it was an eight. So we were regularly checking the phone, not only a for him to get overtime, but two, because he would work sometimes like a, a mid or a swing shift, which means he's working while we're sleeping. And when we're getting home from school, he went to bed a couple hours ago and he's trying to get in his sleep before he goes back to work. Mm -hmm. So we also don't want it ringing off the hook to wake him up. And so here's these calls coming through. <sighs> here's some person on the phone asking for my mom. Oh, I just doubted her. Sorry, Ma. Uh, <laughs> uh, whoops. Uh, yeah. So asking for, you know, are they there? Can you, you know, can you let them know? And after a while, you're thinking to yourself, who, who is it that needs to reach out to yeah. my parent? Who, who needs them so badly? And... I think her time involvement was maybe like in the six month range, okay. roughly, um, maybe less um, because I was also, I think around this time, I want to say I was in like high school Okay. and um, I was caught up with my own, you know, very pressing matters, <laughs> such like life changing events going on as, you know, one of my friends and his girlfriend are causing trouble or, you know, <laughs> friends are fighting or, you know, whatever the big deal was. At sure. The time. But um, it, just my sort of awareness from the outside and these sort of recognitions that that became very – at first it was a pattern and then you start investigating the pattern and then you start listening to things a little more closely. And there was already something about it that rubbed me wrong and it was that they annoyed me that they kept calling. But then when I would listen to things, they would say, oh, it's really important um, – and then when she would uh, get on the phone with them and have conversations, it seemed like it really impacted her afterwards. Um, I didn't like that. Yeah. You know, I didn't feel good about what I was hearing. I also didn't like that it seemed like there was this sort of need for her to appear so often and to be present for meetings. And it was really a, a challenge to witness. And I was really thankful that something sort of like was a, uh, point of no return for where yeah. she sort of stopped and said, no, this isn't, this isn't for me anymore, or this isn't working or I've had enough. Yep. Um, yep. And I've never gotten into a conversation where we've delved into that, but I think it was a product of searching. And I feel that that's a yes. really honest pursuit. I think it's yep. a great goal to search. I think it's yep. how we, you know, engage in discovery and how we experience, mm -hmm. you know, things that, you know, can be such treasures for us, mm -hmm. but there's a risk with discovery. Yeah. You know, there's, there's unfortunately for every person who's discovered treasure, there's the person who discovered the first example of a poisonous plant or a dangerous animal or, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's great examples of discovery and there's some not so great ones. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of these programs out there, I, I don't, I don't want to say they're all bad. Because a someone could ask me a very direct question, you know, have you yourself enrolled in these programs such as like Landmark and Life Something? And there's tons of them, and they constantly change their business name and rebrand themselves. And my answer is no. And the reason why it's no is because I've been approached by a lot of peers. One recently. 
sent me a message and said, Hey, Tara, um, I just, and granted, she just graduated with a bachelor's in social work. So she's a smart girl, right? Smart girl. And she's like, Hey, I just went through this program. It's some sort of transformation program. And I looked it up and, you know, I looked it up, went onto their website and then I typed in the name. And then I also wrote scam underneath it in Dr. Google and a bunch of things came up. So, you know, I went back and messaged her. I was like, Hey, you know, that's great that you've had such great results. I'm happy for you. Can you share with me the specific results you've had and how you're applying them with your life? And she was sharing um, this program with me because she wanted me to get enrolled. So I wanted her to take a moment and reflect back and say, okay, what did I learn and how am I applying it to my life? And the response, I got no response. So, um, and that's how I always couple these type of questions um, or at least ask people. Uh, I'm not trying to ask people to be provocative, but instead I want people to think critically because I myself um, will admit that I can get caught up in people's energy and I can be gullible and I will admit to that, you know, Um, but the purpose of Seth and I discussing this is because we don't want the dangers of self-help to harm anyone that is listening um, here, you know, and, um, yeah, that's, that's our real, um, that's, that's our message behind this. This is our intent is that we want to, in some way or another, regardless if it's one person or two people, if we can help, I don't want to say guide, but shed a different perspective on self-help and help others think critically than we did our job today, you know? And I also think, you know, to dial back to the second point of the dangers of self-help, you know, often self-help is, is great and often comes into play when someone is on a quest, when they're in search of answers because they may not be happy with where they are in life or comfortable with themselves. But self-help often leads to a form of avoidance. Like, for example, um, you could... You know, you could think of someone who is an alcoholic and unable to hold a job, right? And they're like, oh my gosh, I need to change my life. I need a quick drinking. I need to be able to hold my job. I need to, you know, really get myself back together. I need to rehab my life. And maybe they find self-help. And I've seen this before. They've gone from being an alcoholic, unable to hold a job, to now a non-alcoholic who now meditates and does yoga five hours a day, but they're still unable to hold a job. So, (laughs) you know, so, so I think self-help can be in a sense, a a bandaid, right. And, you know, for another example is like, you know, a big uh, uh, genre in self-help itself is dating, right. So, you know, maybe you have someone who's extremely shy and they're like, oh, you know, I wish I could ask out this girl. I wish I, I wish I could just walk up to a stranger at a, a gathering and just start a conversation with them. But I'm just too shy, so I'm just gonna 
I'm going to read a bunch of books. I'm going to read four books. I'm going to listen to this audio program and, um, yeah, that next gathering. Nope. I'm not going to talk to them, but you know what? I'm going to keep reading my book. So suddenly (laughs) reading the book and digesting more self-help information is way more important in a priority than actually asking a person out or confronting the problem head on. So I think we have to also be mindful that self-help can also be a form of avoidance. And I've experienced that myself too. You know, when I quit my corporate job, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, how do I start a blog? How do I do social media marketing? How do I start my own newsletter? How do I reach people? And instead of, you know, taking the time to learn information and go, okay, I have enough foundation to just start acting. Instead of acting, I would go, no, 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 no. I am not ready. I need to, I need more information. And so it becomes this cycle, right? That then your priority is, you know, finding more information so that when you are air quotes ready, then you can take action. So um, I think that's something important to address too with self, self-help. It fills that void of, you know, taking meaningful action in your life. At least it excuses it for the temporary reasons. I, I agree. And I can honestly say I've experienced that personally. I've, I've used that ploy. Uh, I've said I'm not ready to do this thing because I need something else. I'm not ready because I don't have all the information. I don't have enough knowledge. And without that knowledge, how can I possibly know what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that can be, uh, I think that can be a real uh, opportunity, not only for growth and development, but also to, like you said, wind up doing things that feel like their preparation feel like they're help, but they're a way of keeping you from doing that thing. They're right. That, right. That way of actually creating uh, uh, a wall between you and the thing you want to do by saying, Nope, Nope. There's this other thing that I've learned about that I have to do before I can get there. Yes. I, I, I want to go into that other room, but first yep. I have to build this door and then open it so I can get <laughs> yeah. in there because without that door, I mean, I won't really know that I'm crossing into the other room. (laughs) Right, right. And it can, it can be really difficult. Um, I I think, I think it also can really make it easy for, for you to turn to someone else Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, you, you know how to do this? Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, there's a price tag. Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, huh. Maybe 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 that's my other reason too. Yeah. yeah. I'll be able to do this once I can afford you, but I I can't afford you yet. So, and until that, I can afford you. <laughs> yes. And and that leads perfectly into the leads perfectly into the next two points and the last two points of the dangers of self-help are self-help creates analysis paralysis. You know, it, mm. it makes you wonder if you're doing the right thing like X, Y, Z. You know, you read this book, you watch this YouTube video, and this person said you have to do it like this. But 
then you take no action because then you're overthinking it, right? Like you have to build that door first before you can step into the next room. Well, what the hell? There's a doorway. There's no door. You can step into the room. Like you don't need to analyze everything before you take a next step. And then to even add on top of that, and you did it perfectly is the diminishing returns. Like, do you really, okay, you just finished the self-help book. All right. They gave you some good basic guidelines and, and maybe it created a better awareness of how you handle yourself in certain reactions. But is there an upsell? Like, do you, right? Is there an upsell now? You know, do you need to buy that next book that they suggested that they wrote and that's going to help you even, even more? Like, is there an, a supplemental audio program? Do you really, you know, and then what? And then it continues to go on and on and on. And then you go back and you have found that a year later that you're still avoiding that critical action that you need to take because you've been filling the void with information that continues to perpetuate the notion that you are not good enough. That it just, it's a cycle back over and over again. However you want to see it, it always cycles back to this notion that you're not good enough. You're not ready. You need to learn more when instead you are ready. You can try and it's okay if you screw up because at least you took some action, right? Um, yeah. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It, it reminds me of that question that is so often the one that I find myself confronting, which is, what if I do it wrong and I blow my only shot? <laughs> you know? Um, and this is where I can just be honest. Uh, I'm a fiction writer also and a novelist, and I've got a novel that's right there. And I've done uh, a stage where I got a, I wrote an ending and then discovered I needed, you know, to add a chapter or two to sort of connect them. And there's always this fight with me of what if that's not enough? What mm. if you write that chapter and you discover, ah, you need another one. And what if then you realize that this whole book is wrong? You know, that as soon as you write that new chapter, you realize, ah, oh, you need to write a different book. This isn't the right book. You're, you've been writing the wrong book. <laughs> right. All along, what, what have you done to yourself? Um, and I'm also encouraged, though, because there's a very popular personality on LinkedIn. And I don't always get into the, the content because it's a lot of video. And sometimes it feels like the, uh, the purpose is really confusing for me. It's like, look, I'm a presence on, on camera. And yet it, there's moments where I feel that this person sort of like stumbles on to discovery. And one was when they were commenting on someone else's post about the idea of I'm really nervous about recording myself on video. And the response this person added was, I've always found the best words of advice for me were embrace the suck. <laughs> and I thought, that's pretty rad. It is. I like that. I idea. do. I'm writing that down it, right now. Yeah, it's something that I've encouragingly said to others as something I try and encourage myself with regularly. And it's this concept that, yeah, okay, you know what? You probably are going to suck. You, 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 you might, you know, you might be amazing. You might be perfect right off the bat. Chances are you're going to do something wrong and something's going to suck. Yep. Embrace it. Yep. It's the thing that's going to teach you, you know, yep. how to not suck so bad the next mm -hmm. time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, oh, that's and it good. was something that, uh, yeah, I, 
yeah, I thought they did a really good job. And if you type that in on LinkedIn, I'm sure you'll find who the person is. And I'm not trying to point anyone towards anyone. I'm just saying that there's pieces of information that when you come across it and it, it, it rings, it resonates true. Mm-hmm. Take a listen. You know, yeah. there's a reason why it resonates, you know, and I think it's going to be a, a challenge for all of us always to kind of maintain that healthy filter, that ability to differentiate between, you know, when someone's challenging us for ourselves and when they're challenging us for their own benefit. Yes. Um, and, and keeping in mind that, you know, in many ways, it's our fear that's empowering them. It's yep. our self-doubt yep. or our inability to, to believe in ourselves uh, enough or to trust ourselves or to, to trust ourselves that we can be there when we fail, that we can be enough for ourselves when things don't work out right, you know, that we don't, that we don't need someone else for everything. And that for some things, we actually can only be the person doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can't be someone else's responsibility, mm-hmm. someone else's uh, you know, job. And, you know, constant throughout this whole conversation, I've been reminded of I'm going to butcher the quote by Rumi, but it's all the answers <laughs> you seek are already within you, something of that sort. And sometimes when I hear that quote, I'm like, that's a bunch of crap. But then I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Son of a gun. It is yeah. right. You know what I mean? But it's it's being tooted around everywhere. I mean, it's everywhere. So that's why I kind of roll my eyes. I'm like, oh, do I reference this? Well, I'm going to because <laughs> there's some there's some there's some good in it. Um, the intent was good to initially share that uh, with the world. So <laughs> well, and, and also because we're letting people know, like, these are things you're going to hear and see. Yeah. You know, and discerning is always going to be that oh. challenge. Like, oh, is that thing enough? Is it just enough to like always engage with a good platitude daily? Yes. And, and sort of like know that that's all I really needed. I just mm-hmm. had to read that and that was good enough. Yep. You know, or to be challenged like, wow, it's not good enough until I've, you know, committed my services on somebody else's behalf. And I'm not really sure if anything's coming back to me. Maybe yep. that's enough. Yep. And there's a healthy balance. Mm-hmm. There's a, you know, there's a thing that, that, that fits well. But finding it is, you know, so much about mm-hmm. recognizing not only yourself, but using that to then recognize what you're seeing in others. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Go ahead. (laughs) And I also think, too, that we have to also realize, you know, when we're seeking and looking for answers, regardless for whatever reasons they may be, that just because there's someone online or in print that has so many followers and, you know, a raving fan base doesn't mean that their message is going to entirely resonate with you. And, and just because it's a popular view or it's an admired view, you still have the right to take what works for you and leave the rest that doesn't, you know what I mean? And, and I think when we're on this path of self-discovery, if you find yourself there, um, I, I think it's so easy just to get caught up in, in fanaticism and quick results and, 
and inspiring stories. And yes, stories are great. They connect us, they motivate us, they move us, they teach us. But we also have to really discern um, the information that we're taking in and be willing to question, you know, is, is this, um, was this story shared with me? Um, because it's not only genuine and, and this person wants to help help someone out, or is it, you know, what's ulterior motive here? And, and we have to question that. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable. And, and before Seth and I, jumped on to this um, second portion of this recording, he had sent over a text and he said, Hey, do you want to, you know, wrap some specific examples into these topics of, of your services and how you've helped others? And I said, no. And, and the reason why is because it's always a bummer when you go and listen to someone and, and they're sharing insightful information and then they completely bombard you with their, their services, their upsell. I just, you know, I think we just have to be so careful. Um, and I'm just going to dial it back. That's our intent here today is to help, help you and maybe motivate you to think critically in your own way that serves you where you are right now and what you need most. Um, so get off my little high horse right now. But I, I don't think anyone, uh, and if they are, please, you know, chime in. That, that's how we know. I didn't think she was on a, a high horse. I didn't think you were on a high horse. What I did enjoy, uh, though, was when you brought in the idea of stories. Because, yes, they can be engaging and empowering and um, uplifting. Mm-hmm. And there's also that sort of thing that I have to keep in mind, which is that someone's story is someone's story and it's not my story. Yes. And that always keeping in mind that just because someone found that by doing something that they've, you know, achieved inner peace, enlightenment, you know, they are now a better or their best self, that that's not how I'm going to achieve it. That's right. Ultra marathons with three knee surgeries is not really my way (laughs) to achieve that. I'm sure that the people that have done it and I I have nothing, I would love to be able to do it, but I I've learned what some of my body is capable of doing Mm -hmm. and what it's really not probably going to be able to sustain doing. And uh, also about some of the things that that I know I have a passion for and about Um, and just keeping in mind that, yeah, I love a great inspirational story, but that I don't have to judge my story by someone else's. I, I don't have yes. to use that as a comparison. Yes. And I also don't have to hold myself to a standard that says, well, am I doing it the way they are? Mm-hmm. Am, am I, am I achieving, you know, uh, the same way they did? Am I having that same level of impact? Because, well, I never intended to do anything like that. <laughs> and knowing that I can stop and say, well, hold on. Yeah. Uh, who, who are you trying to be? Yep. Yourself or this person? Yep. You know, um, and it, it brings me a funny one to mind where uh, I was with some friends and this guy was checking out another guy and he was like, wow, he's hot. And the girl who's with us goes, uh, one of the girls who's with us goes, okay, so here's my question. Do you want to date him or do you want to be him? And then he sort of paused and went, oh, 
I don't know oh. now. And you can just tell, like, there was that sort of recognition of, like, yeah, I don't know if I find that physically appealing because I'm attracted to it or because, wow, wouldn't it be cool if I was that? Uh, you know, and, and that, was a, that was a really fun question that I was like, ooh, that's nice. a good one. That's a, that's you know, a, a good, good way one. to sort of frame it. Um, and I was also just sort of thinking about when it comes to the ideas of stories, I was having a great conversation with someone I met. Um, I work on a video game. Uh, and we were at the Afro Comic-Con a few weeks back, and we were there representing our game. Um, I'm part of a really great uh, popular term to, to hear these days is diverse cast of writers and game makers. And we were at the Afro Comic-Con because our game features uh, a black female or a black uh, woman who's our lead character and two other characters who are major characters in the game who are also black. And that's sort of been something that we've not only been recognized for, but it's been a distinction in our game development. Um, and while I was there, I met this guy named, this is a longer story. I just realized I sort of did a whole thing there, but I met this guy <laughs> named Far Eye, Far Eye Shields. And we had a great conversation about how he started a comic book company and how it came to be. And I, I, I've got that podcast edited and, and it was fun. And something really stuck for me about some of the things that he was uh, viewing. And one that came to mind while you were talking was how he said one of the, cause I said, look, man, you're, you're an, you know, an artist, you've paint, you've done painting and drawing, you're a musician, you're now doing comic books. Like, you know, you weren't great at all this stuff when you started. And he mentioned that with music, uh, he was taught to play the piano, but when he was in high school, he got into saxophone and he got into saxophone by playing to the radio. But that he found a spiritual freedom in not trying to play the notes that the radio was playing, but to play along with it, to like almost be an accompanying sure. uh, instrument, sure. which I thought was a really, you know, like an interesting sort of like, okay, you can follow, you know, or mimic that, but you can play your own tune while you are yes. like, you can use that sort of inspiration. And, and also I said, yeah, you know, but what about when it's hard? What about when you're learning how to paint and you suck? What about when you play guitar and it's not the same as saxophone and piano? And he's like, yeah. He goes, well, one of the things I've discovered is that the dream is a gift. And I was like, yeah, say that again. And he <laughs> goes, yeah, the, the, the dream is the gift. You know, you, you've, you've reached a, you're alive in a society in which you've been given an opportunity to dream. And if you have a dream, you've already been given this amazing gift, which is the chance to pursue it. And because it's a gift, all that's left is up to what you want to do with that gift. How, how do you see yourself in this dream? And that's your dream. You know, the gift you've been giving is the chance to follow that and to turn this gift into anything you want, you know. And the key word is anything you want. Yes, um, and I really appreciate that, that while I was listening to you, I could have that like sort of concurrent thought where I was like, wow, I've had a conversation where we touched on something like this and someone said something that I could remember. And for me, that comes back to one of my favorite things, which is these little, little veins of gold that exist within stories. That, yes. You know, that you, you know, that maybe not everything you're looking for when you're looking is found in one place, but that you can find these, these veins of gold mm -hmm. and that um, keeping in mind what this gentleman was saying, you know, that 
you can find ways to make that part of who you are to engage with it and still be yourself. And I just have that lovely image of him with his saxophone playing along to the radio. And as he said to the, to the music of his times and uh, just sort of like these great old R and B and soul songs and just playing along and, and knowing that he's not trying to be them or to match the notes that they're playing perfectly, but he's got this tune and it's inspired by what they're doing. And he's just playing along. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and, and you know what? That That's a perfect example that it reminds me of. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be such a cornball, but I'm doing it. A quote, <laughs> another quote that I heard. And I'm going to butcher the quote, but it was something of the sort like, you know, um, if only – a certain type of bird sang in the forest, the woods would be quiet or something, something like that. And when I heard that, I was like, that's such a good point, you know, cause I'm an outdoorsy person. So it, it made me reflect the next time I was outside. I was like, wow, if only this type of bird was singing, all these other sounds would be gone. And these other sounds I really enjoy, even if they aren't the loudest or, continuous or the most quote unquote beautiful right and that dials right back to self-acceptance right definitely yeah i mean if you think of it um especially because you introduced the idea of music there Mm -hmm. um all those different birds are a different tone a different pitch just like all of us with our voices we're like a choir yep and you can't have a baritone unless you have a tenor. You can't have an alto. <laughs> yeah. You can't have all these different things yep. if there's only one type. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the ability to sort of say, these are the things that I am. And these are the things that I do. And these are the things that I'm striving for because of who I am. That's how I add my voice to that chorus. That's how I'm part of this song. And uh, it wouldn't be possible for me to be that if I sounded like them, if I sounded like you, because then the whole song would just sound one note, you know, one mm-hmm. tone, mm-hmm. one pitch. And uh, well, come on now. Where's the beauty <laughs> in that? Um, and we're going to end on your laughter because we're at another 33 minutes, which means a quick audio check. And uh, I'm going to allow you to to enjoy the fact that Tara sent us off. Tara sent us off with a laugh. Thank you, Tara. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Talk to you in a second. Okay. Hey, Seth. Hi, Tara. That was a lot of fun. Um, You have a great laugh, by the way. So that was just a great way to sort of wrap that one up. Um, (laughs) Thanks. I thought that was awesome. Uh, Oh, good. (laughs) um, And then, you know, we've kind of, done a great job with covering the uh the dangers maybe uh the second section this this nonsense idea is where we can sort of dig in a little bit but also you know when enough said especially in respect to stanley passing enough said right so once we've once we've sort of like hammered it through you know we'll jump on to the other and we've got a few here that are that are sort of uh the bullets but also you know, something else might pop out of it. So, yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) the first one that I want to, um, 
address is the notion that is tooted around and that is you learn to be successful by listening to successful people. And I do agree to some point, you know, um, you, you are the quote unquote average um, of the people that you hang out with. Right. Like I do believe in that. Um, But, you know, I also want to think critically and ask questions, you know, okay. So if you learn to be successful, air quote successful by listening and studying to quote air quote successful people, then let's address the notion of, well, or the question of how many people have followed this advice and failed? How many of them? Right. And then to add on to it, how many people did not follow this advice and they actually succeeded? And let's also, you know, not, let's also address that there may be a hidden variable behind these people's success principles that may be at work. Maybe, maybe they were born into a lot of wealth. Maybe um, they had chance or luck on their side. You know what I mean? And, and maybe they don't share that um, and so on. So I think that's one of the big um, things that I want to drill home because there are a lot of successful people out there putting out programs and, and, and many of them may have great intent of helping people rise up to their potential. But we have to also face the notion that there are a lot of people that have listened to this advice and a lot of those people have also failed. So why aren't we talking about that? Yeah, I think the I think the idea comes from a a positive place in mm-hmm. that um, just a little background on me. I uh, I might have mentioned before that I worked with a program called Upward Bound, and that it's a uh, it was it's a federally funded program that is supposed to help uh, low income first generation students prepare for college, and it simply points out where there might be deficiencies in the local public school, and how that there because of those deficiencies there can be a gap between what you're learning in high school and what you need in order to either reach college or to succeed in college and just sort of recognizing where those lie and one of the things that uh, is encouraged is to get students on a on a goal where they have an idea of what they would like to accomplish mm-hmm. what what sort of career path and then once they have to try and find a book or two by somebody who did it and it's not a bad roadmap because so often there's this idea of, I want to be something. Yeah. But then if you're ever put to the test of, well, how do you do that? Sure. Okay. You want to be a doctor. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't know a doctor, then you can't ask him. Yep. And, you know, you can kind of look around, but maybe reading someone's example is a great way to sort of get an idea of just how hard it can be. Yep. Just how many challenges are involved in it. And that's really good. That's a nice roadmap. But as you pointed out, not everyone starts the same place. Not everyone starts with the same things. And because of that, not everyone can take advantage of the same opportunities the same way Mm -hmm. that the path to getting somewhere is going to be different for all of us, that it it doesn't all happen the same way, much like the chorus. You know, we, we don't all reach this place by following the same road. Yes. A lot of guiding principles, but how we get there is as much about us 
as the way they got there was about them. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and it's, it's part of our story to, to, uh, you know, achieve that and also recognize how we did it, yep. how it's different, how, how so much of what we've accomplished is because of who we are, not because of who we followed. Boom. I think we hammered that home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might've gone on a little bit no, of a tear there. No, you um, didn't. But th- it, it, it really tied in with that thing that I was thinking where it's like, yeah, that starts from a great place, yep. but it can go really bad, really yep. fast. Yep. If, you know, you're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, good one. So the next one that I want to bring up is this notion of it started what in the late seventies, early eighties, the um, positive psychology movement. Um, and, and this is an emphasis on thinking positively and, and, and I think it is good to look at things in a different perspective and asking yourself, well, what's the positive here or what did I glean from this and so on. But then out of this positive psychology movement has come the notion that I see, frequently on the internet and that is avoid negative thinking and avoid it at all costs and I think that is just bullshit um and the reason why I think that is bullshit is because when you are pissed off when you are in a place of where you're not thinking the most positive when maybe your mindset and perception is always going to the negative then you have an opportunity to address something that is deeply conflicted within you. Then you have an opportunity to say, okay, you know what? I don't like this. I don't like this situation. I don't like where I'm at. I don't like this choice. I don't, you know, and so on. And in this negative thinking really can unlock the door of saying, okay, wow, you know, maybe right now, this negative thinking and what I'm feeling right now is, is an opportunity. So if we take the advice that's on the internet that says avoid negative thinking, then now we have this opportunity to really reflect and to be real with ourselves. So if I'm going to a supermarket and I, um, you know, I say maybe I had a bad day. Someone cut me off in the parking lot. Then I'm grabbing my produce and I pick up an apple and I drop it and it's bruised. And I'm like, crap. And then someone else cuts me off while I'm grabbing some coffee or whatever it may be. And these things are <coughs> compounding. And I'm thinking negative, like, how dare they do this? And if I stop with something as simple as like little things that kind of pick you away. And if I'm thinking negatively, like, oh, people are so inconsiderate and da 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 if I stop and go, whoa, okay, I'm thinking negatively and I'm pissed and I'm not happy with this, but why aren't I happy with this? Or why aren't I okay with this? Or why aren't I being, you know, overly positive about this situation? Then I have the opportunity to reflect and go, well, you know what? The reason why that really upsets me is because I, I don't cut other people off and I'm respectful of people's space and that I don't like to, you know, damage food and have it thrown away because that's waste. And I, and I don't want to be a wasteful person, you know? And so when we have people that are telling us to think positive all the time, then we shut the door on really interesting, raw introspection. And I don't like that. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, not only that, but uh, I would I would add on that when I think about myself um, and what I'm trying to to learn, what I'm trying to think about learning, is the idea that that by avoiding the negative, I'm also denying myself an opportunity to not only understand but to grow. Yes. Because in each one of the situations you're describing, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure other people have. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there is a, a realistic side that, that comes with that. There's a, uh, here's where I'm going to throw our, our title in there. There's an acceptance that has to come into play <laughs> because you know what the reality is? That's not the only Apple that got destroyed today. In yep. fact, by comparison, uh... that Apple probably is pretty good. Um, it's not the worst thing you've done. And apples will get destroyed. Produce yep. will get damaged. Yep. You'll play a role. But comparatively, you know, is a, a malicious, vindictive role? No. Okay. So give yourself a break on that maybe for a minute. You know, give myself a break on that because I've done that because I hate opening the fridge and going, ah, I thought I had one more day with that produce. I ruined it. Ah, I'm such a terrible person. I thought, hey, hold on a minute. You, you had a good idea. Yeah. Family wanted you to come over for dinner. You didn't cook last night. It happens. Now you've got waste. Waste yeah. happens. Okay, we actually have a process where it's a big deal in California now. We do a lot of composting. So it's like, hey, you know what? It Same could here. be just waste yep. in the garbage, but oh, look, there's a composting thing now. Yep. So you don't have your own garden, but at least you can take that waste and contribute it, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and also, there's a good one, and I love her for saying this. My wife really hit hit home with me on one once, and it was one of those traffic stressful and you could see where people were really cutting people off because of a situation further up and someone else just came from a different direction and cut me off and I'm like what happened and she kind of nailed something I think she was kind of annoyed too and I don't know if she realized how she was saying it but she said when you expect people to do the right thing you're you're asking to be disappointed. Yes. You know, you're, you're almost, you know, yes. guaranteeing that you will be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what? I did, it's not really what I wanted to hear in the moment, <laughs> but at the moment I also like recognize like, wow, that's, that's not just a line, you know, it could be a corny line. Mm-hmm. It could be a, a platitude. It could be a, you know, a truism or whatever else you want to declare it as, but it's also just a really simple way to realign if you're finding yourself going, I'm so frustrated. Well, hold on a second. Right. What, what are you asking these other people to do? Are you asking them to drive like you? Yeah. Okay. That's not going to happen. Right. You know, because if we're acknowledging that everyone's got a different tone and a pitch in this, you know, chorus, if everyone's singing a different sort of rhythm, <laughs> then that's not going to match with us, which mm-hmm. means asking them to be like us in other ways is just as unrealistic, just as much of a opportunity to set yourself up for disappointment. And you can kind of create that by saying, well, they should. Well, yes, they should. But when they don't, what can I do about it? Yeah. Because if it's affecting me, then that's what I can do something about. How it affects me, how I respond, how I deal. And uh, <laughs> I sometimes worry that it sounds too negative. And yet at the same time, for me, it's just a, a way of processing it. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, they weren't thinking about me when they did that. Okay. You know? That's the first thing I keep in mind if I can, when I'm able to pull back enough in that moment, you know, but it's, it's been a good touchstone to to just sort of like know that 
what what kind of expectations am I putting on other people? And right. how am I creating opportunities to like experience this thing when I could right. really remove that mm-hmm. just by, you know, recognizing what I'm going into. Mm-hmm. If it's, I know I'm going driving uh, on Thanksgiving up to see uh, my brother-in-law and his family. And there's already this part in my brain that said, it's going to be holiday traffic. Take a deep breath, man. <laughs> you already know it's coming. You know what I mean? If I yeah. go in there thinking this should be a simple drive, everything should be great. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be disappointed because if you've ever driven on Thanksgiving, you, you know how it can be yes. <laughs> no matter where you yes. live. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, I really like that, that when you brought that up, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's something I have to deal with kind of um, daily, if not hourly. You know, what, what am I putting on this that's, that's setting that up? Because if I'm ignoring the negativity, I'm not going to learn from that. Exactly. I'm not going to experience it. And uh, I'm denying myself an opportunity to grow by not paying attention mm-hmm. to what a negative feeling is telling me. Yep. It's, it's almost like ignoring yourself when you get sick. It like, is. Hey, I'm, I'm physically ill. You know, I, sh- I should really not dwell on that. Hold on a second. Did you eat something? You know, is there yeah. an illness going around that we can treat this with? Let's look at this, you know, from an objective way a little bit before we just say it's wrong for me to think of myself as sick. <laughs> That's a great comparison. It is. It's ignoring that you're sick. Like, no, I don't have the flu. Wait a minute. I'm going to go puke. Yeah. Okay. You have the <laughs> flu. Okay. Yes, you are pissed or you're thinking in maybe you have a negative perception about something, you know, like address it, you know, take that medicine, drink that chicken broth, rest, you know, and you have to apply that to the same thing. You know, you can't have the light without the dark, you know, you're going to experience some crap and you're experience some amazing things. And that the same applies to your emotions. So if you just don't allow yourself to experience negativity, you know, um, well, I think that's a bunch of crap. Now, I also don't want to emphasize, you know, I want to emphasize that Yes, sometimes you're just in a really bad mood. Yes, sometimes <laughs> you get upset. I'm not suggesting that you sit with it and stay with it. Sometimes you have to sit with it. Sometimes you have to pull up a, a chair, have a cup of coffee with your anger, your frustrations, your sadness, whatever it may be. But you need to do that. And then you need to figure out a productive way to move on. But to simply ignore it is to essentially make yourself even more sick. Yeah, I I agree. Not only uh, with the part about how, you you know, the ignoring, but also that, sure, it's healthy to stop, mm-hmm. you know, to, to process because it's a step. And then just like any step, there's a next step. So do that, knowing that it's not where you stop. It's yes. where you pause uh-huh. or it's where you prepare or do whatever you need to do yep. because the next step is coming. So yes. take this moment to, to be ready for it. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Uh Because then you have to do the next step. And you led into the next point, number three, (laughs) and that is uh, people sometimes toot around that procrastination is bad. Don't procrastinate. Um, I often find, you know, articles online that are like how to overcome procrastination, um, how to, and I, and I get it. Sometimes we procrastinate because it's convenient and because it's more comfortable to 
procrastinate than it is to actually take action because at the time that you're procrastinating, you're associating more pleasure with the act of procrastinating than you are with taking action because taking action may entice some sort of pain or getting uncomfortable. But I also want to drill home that procrastination can be disguised as a form of rest and a form of you saying, I need a timeout because right now I am not feeling inspired. Um, I've been working too hard. I mean, and so on. I mean, like, let's look at Leonardo da Vinci. He is a well-known chronic procrastinator. You know, I mean, (laughs) this guy, what, painter, um, botanist, musician, engineer, inventor, whatever, you know, he, he was the creative, um, ideal that many of us, um, think of, but he often when was, um, you know, uh, asked to make specific paintings, um, he would procrastinate to the very, very end. And sometimes he would run off and be like, oh, I can't handle this pressure. And when he was pushed up against the wall, he continued to procrastinate. And then suddenly that procrastination would birth a new idea or a new painting. And so there are, there are benefits to procrastination. Um, So I don't want people to assume that because you procrastinate that you're bad. Maybe there's something else going on. You know what I mean? I do. And I also feel that it's another sort of opportunity to recognize an indicator. Yes. Clearly you're procrastinating for some other reasons (sighs) and whatever they might be. Yep. Again, if you're getting this indicator light, if the light in your car is blinking, if you're getting a sensor warning on whatever you're using or something saying, hey, this is different. Well, pause, take a minute to pay attention Mm -hmm. because it's trying to tell you something. Are you listening? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Are you sure you're listening? Are you sure you're not just trying to tell yourself what you already want it to be? Yeah. Yeah. Um. And that's something I can take to heart without question. Uh, it's, it's really easy to, to bug myself about certain things like, why haven't I done this? Right. And the other part of me that's trying to recognize that, oh, look, when I have paused to do it, I've been able to either see it differently, you know, address something that I've had a challenge with or, or find benefit from this thing that yes. otherwise would be, you know, oh, you're just simply, you know, not doing what you should be doing. Yep. Yep. Um, thanks for bringing that one up. Yeah, that, that one that was a nice one for uh, for me as far as hitting home. Like, yeah, that's right. I I try and tell myself these positive sides of procrastination and hearing them echoed by someone else. That's really helpful. Absolutely. And the <laughs> final one I want to bring drill home, and it's everywhere right now with the millennial generation, and that is the notion that follow your passion. Um. I want to first address a few things. I think it's important to follow your passions and keep your passions in life. It's what keeps you going in life. And it's what 
makes you jump out of bed when you wake up in the morning. It's something that you look forward to. Um, and doing what you're passionate about is um, really tapping into your own creative artistic self, right? Whether that's gardening, whether that's being the best mother possible, whether that's uh, playing an instrument or painting or writing or whatever it may be. But when we hear on the internet, follow your passions, you know, what's also peppered in there is follow your passion, screw your job, follow your passion, what you're doing right now for money. If it's not your passion is nonsense. Follow your passion because you're entitled to live your life only doing this and and so on. And I think the intent is good, but it can also be really confusing. Um, I think um, a lot of people don't realize that um, if you follow your passion in which you should follow your passion and keep it alive in your life, your passion may not be your source of income. And that's okay. You can still follow it. Your passion may not be the um, outlet to um, achieve some sort of quote-unquote greatness um, and and so on. Um, I also think that follow your passion um, is – I just see it coupled with follow your passion and quit your job. You know what I mean? And I don't like that. I think it's, it's nonsense. And, you know, um, I was misrepresented when I joined, um, what was it? Three and a half, four years ago when I joined the school of greatness by Lewis Howes at that time I was seeking, um, answers and I had just quit my corporate job as a paralegal mm-hmm. and I had already started forever be moved. And I, you know, we had to do an, a video interview um, or introduction. And I, I went on and recorded myself and I was like, hi, my name is Tara. Um, I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm a former paralegal and I just quit my job so I can be a writer and I'm not really sure you know, what's going to happen or how I'm going to make this happen, but I'm going to try. And I explained myself and my other passions. And unfortunately I saw an ad about two years ago for Lewis house in his school of greatness. And I was, my video was on there, but Mm. what my video had was, hi, my name's Tara. Cut the rest out. I just quit my full-time job to become a writer, cut the rest out. And I was like, son of a bitch. (laughs) son of are you kidding me you know what i mean like because what you excluded was the raw thing the raw thing that i have no idea what i'm doing and that maybe following my passion isn't the good thing you know what i mean and i was irate because now my face is out there telling people to do something that i actually wish i wouldn't have done i wish i would have um, done things a little differently, but I can't go back. I'm here now, but I, I felt misrepresented and my message was misrepresented. So that's why I wanted to bring this up. I think it's really important. You did. Um, also because, um, you pointed to something when you first started talking about the idea of 
following your passion and you've echoed it a few times, which is follow your passion, quit your job. And um, that almost like implies that following your passion won't require work. And <laughs> just about anything you want to do that you are passionate about requires, requires work. work. A lot of yeah. it. It does. So even if you quit the job that you currently have in order to pursue the thing that's your passion, it doesn't mean that you're going to sit back and go, well, I'm pursuing my passion. Everything should be coming to me now. It should all just like I've announced it to the world. The world should be now knocking at my door. And the funny thing is, it makes me think of that thing, that sort of old phrase I heard as a kid, build a better mousetrap. And the world will be the path to your door. The first part of that is you have to do something. Right? Yes. So following yes. your passion isn't just about saying, hi, I'm doing this. Everybody come love me. Yep. Because you haven't done anything yet. You're mm-hmm. doing something. Once you've done something, well, then you have something to show to the world. But doing something is going to take work. Yes. And that's going to require some way of sustaining yourself. And yep. Maybe the job you have right now doesn't allow you the time you need to pursue your passion, but you will have to do something. You will have to find a way to sustain your passion if your passion isn't able to financially sustain you, you know, yep. and that's, I think that's really important to keep in mind because, you know, I love that phrase that do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. It, it's it's great because it's not work, it's your passion, mm-hmm. but it, it's still investment. And however that equates to you, whether it's time, physical labor, education, you're going to have to put something into this passion yes. in order yes. to get something out. It's like anything else. There has to be an investment to get a return, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and I think that's really something that gets missed with the idea of following your passion. It's, it's not like you're following a band around the country. It's not like the old stories about the Grateful Dead. And it's right. just like, hey, you just grab your car and you sort of just follow along and stuff happens and somehow you make it to the next show. Like, even those guys had to figure out a way to have money to put gas in the car and how to eat food. You know, you're following mm-hmm. your passion, but you still have to do something about it. Exactly. It's not just, you know, going along for the ride or mm-hmm. saying, hey, can I hop in the back of your car and just where are we going? There's, there's a part of you that's, that's involved in this, right? Yes. And, you know, uh, <laughs> forgetting that can really leave you in a place of, oh. but I followed my passion and it didn't work. Right. You know, well, oh. yeah. <laughs> what did yeah. you do about it? Besides exactly. Following it? Exactly. You know, what did you do? Yep. Um, I think those are some big ones. I think they're ones that we're all pretty familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we've touched on pretty good the idea of like, uh, how to recognize that filter, you know, or how to create that filter that helps you recognize, you know, mm-hmm. when you're on the right track or, or when you might not be. Um, mostly because there's, there's things that we're told to not involve like negative thinking. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, it's, it's an indicator just like, um, well, just like procrastination they're both ways of pointing something out to us. Yes. And it almost seems as though, you know, one of the things that we're actually pointing to through this is the idea that you're kind of developing an awareness, yes. you know, that by, by doing this thing, you're, you're making yourself even more aware than you mm-hmm. might've been mm-hmm. because of how much more the impact can have. Yeah. 
Am I, am I following that pretty well? Oh, spot on. And, and I think that's, I know that is my, the reason why I'm passionate about this topic of really addressing and shedding light on the dangers of self-help is because I want people to create more awareness within themselves to think um, critically about the information that's coming their way. And, and by thinking critically and by creating and cultivating more self-awareness of what matters the most or how am I showing up or how am I reacting, then you can take that and apply that to almost any area of your life, such as reading a newspaper and, you know, maybe it's an article about um, a certain farmer in your area down to, you know, a friendship with someone you've been friends with for 10 years and, and so on. The, to create self-awareness um, affords you the opportunity to be comfortable with seeing things in a way that might not um, be so comfortable and cozy and being okay <laughs> with it, right? You know, yeah. and, and self-help wants us, you know, I think a lot of self-help wants, you know, is fanaticized right away. And it's like, we can help you do this and get this result and you can be X, Y, Z and da, 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 But underneath it, you know, it's, it's muddy and it's gross. And yes, the path to self-awareness sometimes is muddy and doesn't feel that great and is uncomfortable, but you don't have to stay there. And you can think differently about things and you don't always have to agree with what is being broadcasted to you at all times. Yeah. Especially because the reasons why you're not agreeing are part of the things that are, are you. These are these things that are saying, well, you know, based on who I am and what I want and how I want to do things, this doesn't fit. Right. You know, there's a part of me that's letting me know that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something I'm paying attention to. I'm, I'm using that awareness that we've been talking about. Yes. And by using that, you know, I'm able to make the decisions for myself because of what I'm aware of. Um, I like that. Thanks, Tara. No. I think that kind of, <laughs> I <laughs> think you. that sets us up really nicely. I mean, I feel like that's a really good way to, to close this one. Um, not only because of the, the value that imparts on everything we've already talked, but how there's this other value of what do you do once you know this? Well, you move forward and you develop this awareness, yes. you know, and that's, that's your guide. Yep. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Wow. Um, thank you, Tara. Thank that was, you. Uh, that was a really great conversation. I'm always really pleased uh, at the end of these kind of looking back and going, you know, I know where we started, but I didn't know that we'd get to this point. And right. uh, that's been a great pleasure. Thanks for um, the journey. <laughs> and for the people listening, you know, if there's something that really stood out for you that you really enjoyed, send us an email, like, let us know. We want to hear from you. And if there's something that maybe you even disagreed with, we want to know, um, this isn't just a conversation between two people. This is a conversation where we want others to join in and share and, And, you know, we want to learn from you, too. Uh, So send us a note. Drop us a note. We want to hear from you. Yeah. And to follow up on that idea of awareness, there's things that I know 
I'm not aware of and I can be more aware of. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't do that without your help. Yep. So if you're listening and you can point out things that we haven't included, it's a strong chance that we just weren't aware of the fact that we weren't including it and that through your help, we can be. Yes. And that the more aware we can be, the more of a help we can try to be with each one of these conversations. So thank you for that. You know, we, we're going to get better because we know you're going to help us. <laughs> Boom. And that's a great thing to keep in mind. Yes. Um, thanks for joining us today. Um, Tara, thank you for joining me. Thank um, you. I'm looking forward to our next one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> you have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Bye now. And that brings to a close another great conversation. A few things that I noticed while listening to the audio. First, I don't know what that great little rattling, clinking sort of noise is throughout the broadcast. I don't think it was me, but if it was, I'm going to look for it the next time I record because I would like to know how that's happening if I'm doing it. It reminded me of a cat's toy, like one of those little sort of toys with a little bell inside. It was it was pretty neat, um, and I I'll follow up with Tara to see if I can uh, see if she knows anything that might be occurring uh, on her end, because that was just sort of a fun little mystery sound, soothing though, very rhythmic. Um, also, you might have heard me pouring at least one cup of coffee. I think I had at least one. Uh, extra during this episode Um, and if you did cheers to you and if you didn't you're welcome to listen back through and try and catch it the next time around beyond that I really enjoyed the uh, overall discussion and the way we ended with the uh, the examples of nonsense I felt that They led to that end result that we uh, finished with um, while we were speaking. And that was the idea of developing an awareness and how that leads to thinking critically and um, cultivating a familiarity, even if it can't be a comfort, with the things that um, make us uncomfortable so that we can look at them better or um, experience them in a way that isn't based on one perspective and the idea of broadening that um, viewpoint to include these other perspectives and the greater awareness we can gain through this cultivation that uh, appears to allow them both to feed off each other in uh, a really positive way uh, a way that um, encourages and stimulates growth and that's something that I honestly had not considered when we began our conversation but looking at it now it almost feels like it should have been so evident that this is where we would lead to but that's the joy of the journey and that's one of the great things about the discoveries that come with it and if you enjoyed that as well. I'd like to thank you for taking the journey with us. And if you didn't, well, I'd like to thank you even more. Either way, both Tara and I would really enjoy hearing from you about what you enjoyed the most, what you didn't like, 
but overall what was your response reaction feeling otherwise uh, about the recording and share it with us uh, you'll hear a clip in a moment that includes our contact information and knowing what you think better informs how we can record material that keeps in mind your perspective and it might be one that we weren't considering before but because of you that's something we can do now as always thank you for joining us on a road to self-acceptance to read more content by Tara Masan, you can visit taramasan.com or send her an email at tara at taramasan.com to reach Seth Singleton you can either visit his website, Seth Singleton Storyteller, or contact him by email at sethsingleton at gmail.com. All of this information is available through our podcast link and also uh, on the links provided to our websites. And I'm going to encourage you to keep an eye out. Tara Masan will be starting her own podcast soon. Healthy Living Radio with Tara. And I'm just going to encourage you to keep your eyes out for her upcoming podcasts. And thank you again for joining us today. Thank you again for listening and supporting. You may not know, but every time you play an episode, I receive financial support. Whether it's from the ads that I'm now beginning to record, or if it is through... uh, other sponsorship opportunities. If you want to provide support, you can always hit the support button somewhere on your player, usually right there on the uh, main screen where this podcast is showing, or by clicking on the support links, which will allow you to become a financial donor. And you can always reach out to me and Anchor if you're interested in having my voice for your audio ad but more than anything it's every play and every listener that gives me the chance to keep coming back and provide you with the stories that I hope you want to hear and I'm always looking forward to share